You are listening to You Heard It Here Second. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or DerekAndSteve.com. Subscribe and follow today. Next topic, uh, Popeye's Chicken Sandwich. You want to introduce this one? <laughs> I I don't even know what to introduce, Derek. Derek and Steve present. And I'm like, how does Larry Fitzgerald feel? Like, Larry Fitzgerald has loyally been playing for the Cardinals for 19 million years. <laughs> Burger King now has a taco, so like I could wait in one line instead of two and get a taco. But now you've answered that question. The taco is terrible. And so, so that isn't a valid option. The taco so. is an abomination. What the hell are you doing? Like, what is your motive here? Like, what? How does your brain work? You heard it here second. Hello and welcome to episode number 138 of You Heard It Here Second. I am Derek alongside Steve. Steve, how's it going? Derek, it's going well, <laughs> my man. I, I heard your... You heard your, me thinking ha- about a question? Your millisecond struggle yeah. with trying to ask me a new question yeah. and you you couldn't do it. But I appreciate it and I appreciate Here's the problem. you. Tell me the problem. The problem is that I don't even think about what I'm going to ask you until I say alongside Steve. Steve... And then, you, and then, and then, you and then I, have, I have a millisecond to think of a question. And you so remember up, for, for the one time per week, you're supposed to remember something like crap. I'm supposed to remember that. I'm supposed to, I've tried to remember that 138 times and I can't. And I've only done it about 12 out of 138 times. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm doing well. How are you doing, Derek? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We, we've been off for a little while. Uh, we've had a busy time of year. I had a few trips and I think you had a few trips as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just uh, we're traveling, traveling podcasters that have a lot of stuff going on. It should be easier for us to, uh, I, I'm not going to give our uh, listeners an excuse to, to have us do this more often, but it should be easier for us because we are remote currently. Yeah. We should be able to do it when we're traveling or when we're remote in other places. That's true. We, so we certainly could do it at any time. Just the microphone quality would suffer a little bit because I have kind of the setup here that with the recorder thing, but we won't, we won't bore with the details. But It's not your voice people care about, Derek. It's true. That's true. It's a good point. I, I could actually... We could have an accompanying sign language video for me and, <laughs> yeah. you, and you just be, have your voice there. That would probably work. Yeah. Um, I mean, so. that's what the people want. It <laughs> only took you this long to, to say it's it. It's true. Hey, hey, sometimes it takes a while to, to find what you're looking for. So yeah. uh, so episode 138, uh, we're going to jump right into it. We have uh, at the beginning, we have a very special guest that we have on, which I'm guessing a lot of our listeners are tuning in for that. Um, so we have that at the top of the show and we will continue on with pop culture and sports after that to end the show. So, Steve, anything else you want to get up, get off in the opening drive before we get going? No, I just think we have a really good episode. Uh, so, let's let's do it. Agreed. So, let's get right to our special guest. All right, and now we are very excited to welcome to the podcast our new most famous guest that we've had, Molly Byman from season. 39 of Survivor. Molly, how's it going? It's going great. How are you guys? Good. We're doing great. We're, we're thrilled that you're joining us on the pod here. Um, and for those of our listeners who are not avid Survivor fans, uh, Molly was on season 39 of Survivor, which is still airing. Uh, and we'll have some questions for you about that here. But uh, we can tell them right off the bat, as we know, that you are a huge Survivor fan. So this will not be pulling teeth for you to talk about mm-hmm. this experience with us. <laughs> right. Uh, not at all. <laughs> Cool. And we do, and Molly, we do know that you're subject to like a very big non-disclosure agreement. So if if there's ever anything that we that you're not allowed to answer, or that um, you just feel we have to kind of move on, just feel free to tell us because we have no idea what that entails. Got it. 
<laughs> Got it. I will not break my NDA. <laughs> cool. Cast as much um, as I want so, to reveal all the secrets. <laughs> cool. Uh, so the first question, Molly, and, and Derek kind of mentioned it, and I think you and I and uh, Derek and a few other friends had a uh, survivor uh, I guess it's a survivor survivor pool is what you call it. Um, it's fantasy league. Fantasy league survivor. So we've done that before and we know that you're an avid uh, survivor watcher. So we want to know a bit about your pre-survivor experience. Like how much did you watch survivor growing up? Um, and then what led you to apply and, and what was that application like? Okay. So I have watched every single season of survivor with my family since season one and then I've always wanted to be on it and I've always talked about it and at BC I kind of found like Jen and then Pat Vale and a few others who are living in my dorm we found like other survivor fans and we started that's where we started fantasy league and it developed over the years as you guys joined in post-college um and then last my last year of teaching I was like I'm gonna apply right now like I'm gonna make a video submit it and just like see what this is my time I'm ready they're gonna want me they're gonna see this video and they want me i did it and sure enough they called me and then i skyped with jeff probst and <laughs> yes i got flown out to la for a week and was sequestered in a hotel doing like as they're testing me um and then oh, i got caught i got cast <laughs> that that's wild that's wild so i mean yeah. I, obviously a roller coaster as as that kind of dream comes to reality and then uh, you get picked and i mean so as you get onto the show, one of the other things that that we wonder a lot as we as we watch the show from the outside is, you know, how how much of this is is really reflective of what's really going on? How much is the editing and impact as far as what the show is portrayed to the viewer compared to what you are there in person? So, what can you say about the role that the editing plays in the show, and and really whether it skews things or whether it kind of is pretty true to what you experience? What what was your experience with that? It's really funny. Um, you guys know me and I feel like watch, I was so nervous about how it was been presented, but then when I watched it, I felt that I was presented super authentically. Like my personality oh, nice. felt like that's me. And so like tons of old high school and college friends would text me things like, Oh my God, you're, it's like, we're hanging out tonight and <laughs> where your mannerisms haven't changed at all. Um, so I think they do a really good job of capturing everyone's essence where people kind of former survivors and as you're watching you're like wait a second it's stories to show us but it's also also to present a coherent storyline that it can be condensed into 42 minutes so that means emphasizing and de-emphasizing certain relationships and plot lines as they go and like in and i think sometimes that can feel a little frustrating because you have all these conversations with all these other people and that's not shown and you're only going to highlight but what it comes down to it is I think it's the most important thing is if you are yourself, then you'll be presented as yourself and way happy with right. that. So I didn't were, mind were you, were you nervous at all for the, like the interview? I know it's like at, at that point when it starts, you've been through so much, but I feel like it's still got to be a little weird with cameras on you, you know? Yes, I was. So I was out there like they always say you, they like, people always say like, oh, after a day or two, you're, you don't notice the cameras. And I think that's very true you'd randomly there's cameras everywhere on the beach they're filming 24 hours a day even at night even when it's raining and you do kind of forget as you're slipping into regular conversations about like family and life and playing games or whatever but then you'd have i'd have like random flashes of like 
oh my god i'm on camera like <laughs> i'm not wearing a bra right now like get my bra <laughs> like, this is this can't this is unacceptable <laughs> um, so like you'd have like very like or like if you did something kind of dumb you're like oh whoa whoa like <laughs> you're on camera right now so i think that like it would it'd be funny almost when it would come back to you but the reality is most of what happens out there is like and not something they're going to show and you can feel comfortable in that when you're out there right right cool and that and that kind of leads me into my next question which is basically what do you actually do all day like do you do you have to survive or do you like like what is what is survivor on this island do you actually have to go like find food yeah it's kind of like when you're camping but without any of the things like a tent so you're constantly working like we when it rained you had to constantly be like fixing the shelter and keeping the fire alive and you'd like look for food items um so you'd, there's a lot of work to do but then aside from that there was a ton of downtime and you're like talking hanging out getting to know each other talking about strategy um we talked about being hungry a lot we only had you only have rice and not that much so we did a lot of kill Mary with food and, <laughs> and <laughs> oh and remember I, remember when we were in Acadia and Taylor taught us contact yeah 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 that's right I, I you taught, taught that I tried contact so <laughs> yeah that was a they loved that it was like instant like okay who do I want to work with people who are good at contact <laughs> <laughs> that's great so I, I feel like we're getting a behind the scenes now explanation more than even what we saw on camera of why you became so popular and well-liked in this cast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I lesson learned. Don't show off how good you are at board games on day two. <laughs> yeah. Save the, ga- save the games for later. <laughs> Don't be too popular. Yes. Um, <laughs> have a really bad vocabulary. <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, transition to a kind of another, you, you mentioned about kind of how the cameras are always there and even, you know, rain or shine day or night, they're always filming. Um, one thing as far as like kind of how you're dropped into that setting that I was wondering watching the first episode is that, uh, I, I noticed that everyone shows up and people are wearing like dress shirts and like they're definitely <laughs> not dressed for survivor. Like, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this part, but what is the initial drop? Like what happens from like, where did you come from when you get dropped off at that Island? If, if uh, I don't know if you're allowed to talk about that or not. Um, and what do you have with you? That? Only have the clothes on your back of anything else. And they have this vision of wanting it to look like you got dropped off out of an airplane a la la um <laughs> and you're on this island and so they want you to kind of look like your life like they're like you need to look like a law student and i don't a student necessarily looks like but um they kind of want you to like the men who are wearing jackets obviously do not want to be wearing suit jackets <laughs> right, out there right. um, yeah. but they want to kind of make everyone into a character and part of your character is uniform or your outfit and it's funny because i've actually noticed now in other shows i've watched like oh wow characters actually wear the same outfit a lot of the time so it's kind of a thing like your outfit very much does become part of your character so i think that's kind of what they're trying to build um i think we should get to get bathing suits too like i don't want to be running around in my underwear like no one does (laughs) (laughs) but it's just part of the game at this point i guess yeah um well you've you've talked a bit about the relationships you built and and maybe you built too many relationships too too quickly on the show but um in terms of who you spoke with and the, and the experiences you had while you were there, what was your most memorable? And then like, who did you like and who are you rooting for? Like what, what's your, what's your vibe of the people uh, left on that Island? 
so I have no negative feelings about the people who voted me out. Like they're really, really great people. I had a great time. One of my best memories probably is there was one day I was out there where it rained the entire day, like the whole day. So we were kind of like huddled together in the shelter, soaking wet all day. And Tommy was braiding my hair. I had four braids in my hair and we were playing games. And it was just like a very fun, chill. That was super fun. Um, rooting for is 100% Janet. Um, she obviously overcome her age, which set her apart right away. But she worked so hard pregame. Like her husband made her challenges that she practiced. She could make fire super fast without flint. And then in the game, she was like just kind of the heartbeat of our tribe and would really make everyone feel safe and comfortable and would in the challenges she was pitted against Elizabeth, the Olympic swimmer who was half her age, which like up, oh, I'm the best swimmer. Like I'm gonna do this, which is seems crazy because obviously <laughs> Elizabeth is was in the Olympics. Like, <laughs> the yeah. card, but like, <laughs> like Elizabeth in the Olympics. Like, it's not really fair. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm 100% Team Janet. She's just like super badass. She's given to people her whole life and deserves this. I think the only I think it's tough in Survivor right now because a lot of the people who are the most deserving and the most threatening uh, end up going out for those reasons. Right. Uh, and, and kind of in that same vein, too, because I know I've read some post interviews that you've done um, after this show, too. Mm -hmm. And you were kind of you were kind of blindsided by your episode. Um, is totally that blindsided? <laughs> yeah. Has that affected your relationship with anyone or is like has that changed you in any way? Um, I think the way it's changed me the most is that I, I I'm not a super open person. Like, I feel like when I'm talking with someone, I feel I feel a strong connection and I generally think it goes both ways if I'm feeling that, but I don't, I'm not like a words of affirmation person. I don't usually tell people how I feel about them. And I think in Survivor, knowing that a lot of people were super anxious, I needed to be more upfront. And I think specifically with Janet and Kelly, those are two people who I wanted to genuinely work with. And I, but I think they didn't fully believe that because I was really friendly with a lot of the guys too. Right. I think by being so blindsided, I instantly was not mad, but I was like, what did I do that I wasn't showing these people that I wanted to work with them. Right. Mm. And so just one follow up to that, like did, I don't know if, do you kind of, do you basically wait until the episode airs to kind of find out what those conversations were like um, as far as how that happened? Or do you get some kind of a debrief before the episode airs knowing what those conversations went like? Cause, cause I feel like uh, you could have been very, very lost and confused for a long time until you saw the <laughs> way it developed. Right. Yes. Um, so, we're not supposed to talk to each other at all, like on social media or anything. That's like one of the things it's like, you cannot do this. Um, right. But of course we have. And so I thought pretty much once you, once you kind of either, I got voted out, you go to Ponderosa, which is in Fiji still, and you're there and people are joining as they're getting voted out. So right, right. obviously you ask a million questions about the game. So you kind of get mm. pieces from that and answers from that. And then after that, we went to Australia, um, all the pre-merged people and, then you're kind of cut off from the game a little bit, but you're able to kind of hang out and things and move on from the <laughs> game. Um, but then right when you get back, you're like, okay, I need to figure out everything that I didn't know. And that definitely happened. So I wasn't shocked that Nora called me a queen. Um, <laughs> come the episode <laughs> airing, I was fully ready to embrace it. Uh, but yeah, so no, not really any surprises. Cool. Out Interesting. With people now that it's all been kind of right. said and done. Right. Yeah, are you are you still close with with those people? Yeah, I guess it's I, not over yet. So over yet, so can't necessarily say exactly who my closest friends are, but I definitely have some new lifelong buddies from this, which is nice. really cool. That's great. <laughs> um, and and just to close it out, 
um, kind of to come full circle here, but how has your life changed from this experience? Cause I know um, I've, I've been doing a lot of um, internet research on you now, which is feels yeah. kind of strange because you're just like one of my friends, but, <laughs> um, but you are, you are, fully leaning into the survivor thing, which I really think is cool. So like how, and, and people you're like responding to people and people really enjoyed your um, time on survivor. So what, how has your life changed from this survivor experience? Um, my day to day, like not that much, which is definitely a good thing. I definitely have, like I said, I have like new, some new lifelong friends. I like times many Instagram followers. Like I get to do cool <laughs> stuff, like talk to you guys on a podcast. Um, but I think, like my when I when I first got out I was obviously super disappointed and then after that I was like you know what I'm gonna own this I want to do this forever I am proud that I did it I am excited I know I played as myself and I went out for that those reasons that's okay so I think once it started airing and stuff I'm like yeah I'm I'm going to fully run with this and like enjoy this experience but also remain grounded in my regular life like went to all my classes the day after I got voted out and raised my hand for the first question in the first class so I think regular my regular life is pretty much exactly the same um but this is a cool fun fact for life that i'm really excited about and happy to have yeah that's awesome easy ice easy icebreaker for life i love it easy icebreaker yeah you you have (laughs) i'm like okay (laughs) yeah i'm like sorry this is too much but i'm gonna be really obnoxious for like a couple a couple more weeks and then i'll settle down and be fine (laughs) never settle down never do keep it going keep it going (laughs) keep it going until they bring you back back, exactly Exactly. Well, Molly, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we yep. hope that we are able wow. to bring you back again in the future for your next trip on Survivor uh, <laughs> yeah. or about anything else, to be clear. You can talk, <laughs> chat with us about anything. Yeah. <laughs> so. Great. Great to know. I'll cool. let you know when I do other cool things. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All righty. Thanks, Molly. Thanks, right. Molly. Bye, guys. I made that bitch famous. I made that bitch famous. Alrighty, so time for pop culture. But before we jump into that, thanks again to Molly. Uh, that was an excellent interview, especially yes. being bound by an NDA. I think that was an outstanding interview. <laughs> Thank you, Molly. I mean, that's it's funny because we are friends with Molly, so yeah. it's it's hard to ask her questions that without being like, "That was so funny. You're so funny. Like that was yeah. great." You know, just kind of like <laughs> hyping her up and try to be more objective. But um, I think she did an incredible job. Yeah, thanks. Again I think my I think my on. favorite I think my favorite part of that was you saying that you've been doing a lot of internet research on Molly. Yeah, which sounds so. <laughs> and, then, and then immediately realizing that yeah. like that Molly's your friend. She's yeah. not. She's not someone that you I'm need like, to do internet been, research on. Yeah, I've been creeping on you. Ugh. <laughs> You're right. It did sound weird. No, but no, but it was a valid point because I, like you want to go see all the interviews she's been doing and what she's right. been saying about Survivor and all those things. So, uh, very cool. And I will add that I definitely think that Molly is uh, in that group of people that I would expect are have a shot at being a brought back to Survivor as those people that didn't win but would get brought back for a future season. Just Absolutely. feel feels like she's been picking up fan support and like people liked her in her brief stint on the show. She literally um, got booted off because people thought she was too good. She was too good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. So, hopefully that happens. And if it does, uh, we can bring her back on to hopefully discuss about uh, her championship of Survivor. But uh, that'll be at a future date. So Knock on wood. Knock on wood. Um, <laughs> so, uh, getting into pop culture now. I know we have another topic that is near and dear to your heart. So, I'll let you kind of kick that one off. 
You know it. You love it. <laughs> you want some more of it, Derek. Taco Bell news. Um, we have a brilliant new addition to the Taco Bell family. I know we mentioned that it was coming out in the last podcast, the Toasted Cheddar Chalupa. It slaps, Derek. Wow. It is so freaking good. Oh, and wow. I know I'm a hype man for Taco Bell. I will yeah, say no, any of its food is, no, is spectacular. But no. you, you, you've you been critical when you've when you've needed to be. You, right. Like, you haven't, it's not like you unilaterally say everything. You, you've never said this thing slaps about a Taco Bell item before that's that I've good, that I've heard. You know that's true. I, I'm surprised I haven't. Um, <laughs> but the toasted cheddar chalupa slaps. It is so freaking good, and I, I, it's it's going to be hard to describe because it's it's like a chalupa, which is basically a, a taco with like a softer, chewier shell. Yep. But the shell is also like aged cheddar, which doesn't sound like it would go well with a Mexican dish. But it's so but it does. does. Wow. It so does. And this is not me just like saying, oh, talk, like, talk, new Taco Bell thing is better Taco Bell thing. This is actually a new must order every time I go item for me. It is replacing like Doritos Locos Taco as wow. as my uh, what taco-shaped item that I order from there every time. That's, that's high praise. That's real high praise. I can't praise it enough. Wow. I can't praise it enough. Do and you think it's here to stay? I God, I hope so. I doubt it. It doesn't. It seems gimmicky. Um, yeah. But maybe it has to do with the last taco that I had from a fast food place was a Burger King taco, and that was mm. just pure right. garbage, right. like water trash. So you're on cloud nine because of the difference there. Yeah, but the toasted cheddar chalupa is fire. So here's a question. Yeah. I'm, do you I'm foresee? Rambling. Do you foresee Taco Bell partnering with like Cheez Its to yeah. make this sustainable? <laughs> Fun fact, I know you asked that because the, the Pizza Hut Cheez-It pizza, <laughs> I've had that too. <laughs> oh, really? well, so I, that actually honestly isn't really why I asked that. I, oh. I, I just, toasted cheddar, I think of Cheez-Its because like oh. I think they, they call them like they're toasted, like toasted, uh, the, toasted is one of the words they talk about with Cheez-Its. You know, if anyone can pull it off, it's Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. I will tell you who's not pulling it off, it's Pizza Hut because those stuffed Cheez-It pizza bites. Not good, not good. so bad. Every other company that tries to like, uh, do like a crossbreed, like Burger King did the Cheetos mozzarella sticks. They're terrible. Mm-hmm. Taco Bell's got got an extraordinary laboratory, and they just yeah. this is mad scientists back there, and hey. I, I I respect them. <laughs> well, that's that's huge news, and now I'm gonna have to go try the toasted cheddar chalupa. So highly no recommend. Highly recommend. <laughs> Good to know. Um, so uh, it's a pretty short pop culture section. We do have one more thing. If you wanna, if you wanna go over this one, I will. Um, so this uh, is a show that you may have heard about. You've definitely seen it while cruising Netflix. Is Russian Doll? Um, do you know what the premise is, Derek? I do not. I did see it while uh, browsing Netflix, but I have not looked at what the premise is. Okay, so it's like a um, Groundhog Day show, okay. like a Groundhog Day style. Like she she dies every day and relives the same moment. Um, but it gets really, really trippy. Um, the characters are really funny and quirky. Uh, it's really dark at some points and really funny at some points. And I, I, ha- I don't say this lightly. It's a show that when it's over, you feel like you watched something important. Hmm. It's not. It's a fiction. It's nothing. I mean, there's nothing that'll change your life. But it, it, it really is a solid show. It hits you in the gut, and when it's done, you're like, wow, that is. That's a well done show. Well done. All right. Um, so, 
I'm going to give it a like medium, like 85% Steve Nicholas avocados, not certified guac, but oh, pretty good. Pretty good. But a recommend worth, worth it. If yeah. you're, if you're looking for a new dark comedy and the, the main character's hilarious. She's very, very funny. Okay. There you go. Russian yeah. doll on Netflix. Is that a Netflix original? It is a Netflix it original is. and co-produced by our girl, Amy Poehler. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. So Russian so, doll on Netflix. If you're looking for a, a new good dark comedy. There you go. Russian Doll, 85% Steve Nicholas Avocados. Not certified guac, but uh, but close. So Very close. So that's it for pop culture. Uh, we move it now into the second half, which is sports. The Monster Jam. All right. So sports. Um, we're going to cover two sports today. We're going to skip the NFL. Uh, there's a lot going on, but uh, we're not going to talk about any of it. Um, I'll give you the updates. The Bucks are still bad and the Pats are still good. So there, that's all <laughs> that, you need. That, that's all you need to know. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, and, oh, there actually, there actually is a pretty good amount of controversy around NFL officiating and replay reviews and things like that. Oh, but we'll we'll true. let that play out because it's definitely not over and it's going to keep going. So um, it's going to go for eternity. There's, yeah. there's never going to be good refs in the NFL. Yeah, that's correct. Um, <laughs> so uh, and we won't talk about hockey either because hockey has just gotten underway. So uh, we're going to do MLB and we're going to do the NBA's controversy. So. Let's start with the Major League Baseball. We'll do a, uh, We'll begin with the with an ode to your Tampa Bay Rays, who Whoop. had a great season. Who honest, who really uh, did not fade like like they end up tip, typically doing when they're competing early in the season and they fade toward the end of the year. They did not. Mm-hmm. They finished strong. They made the playoffs, and they what did they lose in four games to the Astros? Yeah, they lost in the fifth game. Fifth game. Oh, that's they right. Game they, yeah, five. game five. That's right. So they took them all the way to five and. Uh, they faced Garrett. Was it Garrett Cole in game five or Garrett Cole in game five In game five? Yeah. So uh, took them all the way to the wire uh, championship caliber team in the Houston Astros. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on the Rays season and playoff run uh, and your your feelings coming away from it? I am so proud of our boys. Uh, the Rays are a perennial uh, underdog. They they have to compete with the the. Uh, Yankees and the Red Sox in the in the powerful conference that is the AL East. Um, and so even for them to make the wild card after having also to battle the A's and the Indians just to get to a one-game playoff um, was incredible. They beat the uh, A's away in San Francisco. Um, they lose the first two to Houston to two incredible pitchers, Verlander and Garrett Cole. Either of them could win the Cy Young Award. Yep. And then come back home... Where I mean, the trop gets a lot of crap because oh, they don't have enough fans and it, it looks like an airplane hangar or whatever. <laughs> that place was rocking. I went yeah. to I went to Game Four, and it was incredible. I mean, I wish it was like that all the time, but that's mm-hmm. a different story. But they won their two games at home and took it back against one of the best pitchers in baseball, Garrett Cole, at home. Lost a close one that um, they saw that. Glass now was tipping pitches, which he admitted he he saw that he was. Um, so it's it's a tough way to end the season, but I mean, given what we spend on a team, I think it's like sixty yeah. million compared to the Astro. I, I think all of our team makes combined like our our best player his his combined salary is less than one year of Verlander or Cole. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So it's it's a tough tough place to play, but. Very, 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 very happy with the Rays. Thank you for letting me give them a shout out. 
um, see you back in third place next year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So there you go. There's the, there's the Rays recap. Um, Moving forward, who do you want to win the World Series? Well, I want to ask you who you want to win the World Series because you hate the Yankees, I know that. That's the yeah. Um, so the Yankees, you were, you were rooting for the Rays, obviously. Yes. Until they until they lost. So now, I, where are you? Where right. Are you so at? I had a conditional deal with you on the table that I would root for the Rays, but the rule was that the Rays had to beat the Yankees if they won. Right. So and I, you know, so I assume that you would have held up your end of the bargain if the Rays did win. But so yep, I did, I, I did, did, I did root for them. I ha- so that was the deal. Appreciate <laughs> um, that. <laughs> uh, so the Yankees are the only team that I want to lose. Uh, I don't, I like, I don't mind the Astros, you know, like I, I like the Astros. I like the way that they were built. I like the players on their team, but they did win recently. Um, I want the Washington nationals to win. I think Nice. Um, there's a lot of players in that team that I think deserve a championship. Uh, I would love to see Bryce Harper leave the nationals and have the nationals win the world series. Yeah, that, that would be that outstanding. Too. Um, that's yeah. So I think I want the nationals to win and they're currently up three games to none. Uh, as, as of the last time I've checked, uh, I don't know. Did they play tonight? Do you know? Uh, I don't uh, know. That is a good I'm, not, question. I'm not certain, but they're up three yeah. Oh, just on the backs of outstanding pitching performances from the nationals. Um, when you get Anibal Sanchez contributing seven, seven inning, no hit bids, right. uh, on top of Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg, you're going to be in good shape, uh, as far as your starting pitching goes. So, uh, I definitely want the Nats. There is one fun fact here that I, I thought was pretty remarkable. Um, so you did you saw how Anibal Sanchez and uh, Max Scherzer on back to back days brought no hit bids into the sixth inning or later? You see that? I did. Yeah. So that's only happened one other time in a playoff series, and <laughs> if you can believe this, the other time that it happened in a playoff series was Anibal Sanchez and Max Scherzer, Max Scherzer <laughs> no against the Red Sox in 2013 when they were on the Tigers in games one and two of the ALCS. They each brought no hit bids into the sixth inning or later. Which I just thought was a, a crazy stat. Like the same did two they, pitchers. Did they win that series? No, they no. The Red Sox ended up winning the World Series that year. So that's why people were saying, you know, like, oh, maybe their opponent's gonna win the World Series. But uh the Nationals have nonetheless continued on and won those games instead of blowing leads, and they're up three games to none. So uh the Nats are a cool story. I would love to see Nats versus Astros, but again, that's my personal anti Yankee bias. Um so anyway, that's my long answer. I want the Nationals. Who do you want to win the World Series? Um, I think that I'll do the Nationals too. Okay. I really like after having so much invested in the Rays, I kind of right. I didn't I obviously don't have a backup. So Cuz you you typically wouldn't really have any gripes cheering for the Yankees, right? But the Yankees right. were battling the Rays all year. So Right. And I, probably... I respect the Astros. As soon as Garrett Cole won that game 5, they asked him like, "Oh, what do you think about the Yankees?" and he just the first thing he said was, "Before we talk about the Yankees, I just want to say how hard the Rays fought." Like he was a very like Yeah gracious winner which i appreciated and they're hard to they're hard to hate they're they're all fun they're all cool everyone except roberto ozuna on that team is is cool yep um it's true roberto ozuna can go to hell (laughs) um so i think either the astros or the nationals nationals yeah okay fun young team easy to root for yeah so so i think we're on the same page there and the thing i'll add to this that i really would love to see happen this is kind of random but just on the nationals astros train Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Game 7 World Series would basically be like a Super Bowl level event. Let's do it. Former teammates, former, like both Cy Young winners. That would be outstanding. Subscribe. Um, Subscribe to that hard. So, uh, all right. So that's baseball. Um, Moving into the last sports topic, we have this real weird NBA controversy that (laughs) we've talked on this podcast before about how the NBA somehow is always in the news, no matter what. Um, They... 
have not been in a little while and the season is right around the corner. So they should be starting to get back into the news. And finally, one of these things puts them in the news for something they really don't want to be all over them right now, which is the result of, and we're not going to, we're not even going to try to give this topic justice as far as an explanation goes, because we're both pretty confused by it as well. But Daryl Morey, in a nutshell, who's the GM of the Houston Rockets, tweeted out support for the Hong Kong supporters, uh, you know, fighting for democracy and was reprimanded basically by the NBA. China, you know, pulled some of their funding or, or kind of corporate agreements or whatever that were, that affects the NBA's bottom line, uh, you know, long story short. And this whole thing just reeks of this real weird vibe of the NBA who in America has been a very outspoken and progressive organization, right? And association and all of their members seem to speak out quite a bit on social and political issues, right? And now, but when China comes into the equation, it's like this real weird, like silencing of everybody and like kind of taking away those, the, the speech. In fact, there was that one clip. I don't know if you saw of the reporter who like got stopped during asking a question. I did see that about that. And it's like just all this real weird stuff going on, which is very unlike the NBA when it comes to domestic topics. So what, what is your thought on, on everything that's going on here? Um, I will, I will start by also saying that I am not fully plugged into this because it is so difficult to wrap my head around every single thing going yeah. on because Obviously, China and Hong Kong, the demonstrations have been going on for for months, months, right. months, months now. So there's a lot of political stuff you could unpack there. But in terms of just the NBA and China, we kind of talked about this before the podcast, but they've had a very cozy, cozy relationship for a long time, specifically the Houston uh, Rockets because of mm-hmm. Yao Ming and his popularity. And then um, Houston leaned into that because they they obviously saw a new market. Um, now they wear uh, Chinese jerseys. They go and play a few games in China every year. The the players are there in the off season, and no one really asks any questions. They're just like, mm-hmm. "Oh, the NBA in China, or the NBA does China stuff." Uh, <laughs> yeah, now, that's pretty much it. Now, when people are like, "Oh, wait, China's like kind of oppressing this small uh, country that wants to be a, a democracy," it's not like a cool thing. Like, why are they nice to them? And the NBA is panicking. Yeah. Uh, they they issued a very lukewarm response. Apparently, they issued a, a statement saying like we don't we encourage freedom of speech, but we also encourage like positive relations, blah blah blah, in English or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we say like we yeah. don't support we don't support RGMs tweeting about political issues. And then they did a Chinese version, and apparently a bunch of um, Chinese interpreters reread it, and they said it's way harsher to. Um, Daryl Morey, wow. the Houston GM, than the English one. Yeah. So they they're really really kind of pandering, and it it's all money. Obviously, it's just a right. money play. But given the NBA's, you're right. The the openness, and they're they're the league that allows for um, controversial opinions. They'll they'll let their players say what they need to say. Their coaches mm-hmm. um, get involved in, in political speech. Uh, they are doing a very bad job at handling this Chinese China controversy. So I, I'm I'm here for it because the NBA has been coasting for a long time now. And I, I they need yeah. to and the, yeah. and the NFL's well, been floundering. So now the yeah. NFL's just kicking back saying like Yeah, right. Now, now you guys <laughs> get a piece of it. How do you the, like it? Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And I mean just to just to piggyback on that like really more specifically the two that caught my eye were Steve Kerr and LeBron James who are are very well documented like outspoken on on, on 
on social and political issues like in America, you know, they, they speak their mind and, uh, you know, more, I think the bigger reaction that came from LeBron's yesterday, which, um, you know, a lot of people were quick to jump and pull up old LeBron tweets and, and stuff and like kind of really expose and call him out for being a hypocrite. And, you know, to, to be perfectly objective here and unbiased, like, I don't think that LeBron James is some huge hypocrite. Like it's a real weird, it's a real weird vibe that's coming from it because I don't think that, that he is some, like the reaction of LeBron to basically say that Daryl Morey, like should have been thinking about the consequences, like is not very LeBron like, you know? And so it's just, it just reeks of this, like, is the NBA making everybody kind of sing to the same tune and, and beat to the same drum on this China thing? I don't know, but it's a very strange situation and it doesn't look great that the NBA has such a big bottom line impact from their business in China and that this is how they're reacting with it. So it's, uh, I don't know. We, I, we don't have much more to add on that, but it's just a, it's a unique story and it's I'm nice interested change. to see if it bleeds yeah. into the regular season or not because it's coming soon. It's a nice change of pace for the NBA who's usually yeah. like two steps ahead of everyone. Yeah. Now we're true. like, cool. Now there's some drama. Usually <laughs> yeah. like the dr- the drama is like, oh, LeBron James like gets to coach his team and his coach doesn't <laughs> yeah. like that. And yeah. then just w- rinse, repeat. But now it's like, oh, wow, the NBA is involved in like a geopolitical scandal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. That's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So. Uh, so there you go. Anything else on the NBA? I don't think so. Alrighty. Looking forward to a good season. For Absolutely. The Orlando, for Magic. The Orlando Magic. Gunning for that eight seed this year. Think Looking gonna... really good in preseason, <laughs> boys. <laughs> um, so, so there you go. There's, there's your sports section. Brings us to the final drive. Do you want to go first or you want to go second? I want to go second. Derek. All right. Second. I'll go first. Um, my final drive is a review of... El Camino, the Breaking Bad movie that's on Netflix. Uh, I believe in Netflix original, but it's uh, directed by Vince Gilligan and written by Vince Gilligan, who is the same writer and director as the whole Breaking Bad series. So uh, if you liked Breaking Bad and if you watched Breaking Bad, now admittedly, uh, I while I watched and loved Breaking Bad, it was, it was now kind of a long time ago and you forget a ton of the stuff. So like, I definitely recommend watching a recap of the kind of latter half of Breaking Bad before watching this movie because the the summary at the beginning the like the last time on type of equivalent yeah. is like packed and ridiculous to keep up with because there's so much stuff and you're like holy crap I forgot all this happened yeah. um, but essentially the story picks up um, with you know kind of the aftermath of Jesse Pinkman's life and that's what this entire movie is it's about almost two hours runtime so it's like a pretty standard movie length maybe a little long but it doesn't feel it Um and the biggest thing I can say, while I'm not going to give it like rave, rave, rave reviews on the plot line, like the plot line is, you know, there's only so much you can do building off of Breaking Bad in a movie, right? Like, like you, like you, Breaking Bad was designed to be this really long story that had a lot of intricacies to it. Yeah. Um, so in a movie, it's tough to pull that off. But what I will say is that the acting, the filming, the cinematography, like the shots, the feel, it's all so perfectly and exactly Breaking Bad. Like it's 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 it feels like you're just watching the next episode of Breaking Bad, and oh. it's and I loved that about it because it really brings you back to that show and like kind of all the reasons that you loved it, and it also stitches in flashbacks to that show throughout it to kind of like tie relevance to like what is going on at that time. Um, 
So overall, with I won't like give any spoilers or really talk about the plot much, but I highly recommend watching it if you were a Breaking Bad fan. I think it's worth it. Again, I don't think it'll blow your mind, but it's like a nice... I would consider it a very nice uh, cap to Jesse Pinkman's character arc um, in the form of kind of one final movie. So uh, I will probably... If I have to give it a number, I'll give it 89... Derek Dragon Fruits. Whoa, that's pretty high. Yeah, pretty high, pretty high. I'm not. I wouldn't put it into the 90s, but like, you know, factoring in that I love Breaking Bad, it's an 89. You know, that inc- that includes is that certified. That. I would say it's certified. Yeah, certified Pattaya Colada. Hell yeah. So there you go. Wow, that is a glowing review. Yeah. Um. All right. So you, is that your? That's that my final drive. Final review? I'm done. Cool. Uh, so my final drive is just kind of a, a note. So um, Rick and Morty season four. Uh, for those of you who are Rick and Morty fans out there, if you're not, you should be. It's a very funny, smart show, but I know it's kind of polarizing. Um, the season four airs November 10th, so that is less than a month away. Uh, there's a new trailer for the season. looks very funny, per usual. Uh, although it's only going to be five episodes, and then they're going to take a break, and then do five more to complete the season. There hasn't been any uh, information on how long the break will be, how actually... How, if they're actually going to do five after the episodes, maybe they're just going to continue on. So no one really knows there, but definitely five episodes coming uh, November 10th. Uh, Derek, are you a Rick and Morty fan? Uh, I haven't watched it religiously, but I, I've always enjoyed it when I've seen it on or when, when you used to watch it, or, but I don't, I don't seek it out. So I think I might seek it out and, and take a look at this season. Yeah, it's worth a watch. I mean, it's a very clever, smart show, and it's, yeah. it's huge in pop culture, especially like pop subculture. Um, which we have to be aware of, right, Derek? Because it's yeah, pop culture. It's so true. Do, it's true. Do some research. <laughs> um, and so that airs, season four airs November 10th on Comedy Central. So just a heads up for all you uh, Rick and Morty fans out there. There you go. So Rick and Morty season four. Um, that's it, I think, for episode 138. So thanks again to Molly Byman. Uh, Thank you, Molly. Season 39 of Survivor. Uh, did an outstanding job. Was so good that uh, they, so they good. were scared to keep her around. So we also didn't ask her about that gif of her getting um, squirted by. A oh plane. yeah, yeah, that would have been a good yeah. thing to ask her about. So yeah. uh, well, maybe next time. Yeah, next we can we can check in next time on that one. So yeah. so that's it for episode one thirty eight. We'll see you guys next time for episode one thirty nine. Later days. <laughs>